Now broadcasting live on Ustream or direct to your portable device. From Martin Road Studios, BaggedAndBoard.com presents the Bagged and Boardcast. Uh, you said your parents don't listen to this. Drink my beer. It's good. It doesn't work if you're not wearing a mariachi suit. Uh, what? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is crazy. He just looked at me like, should I punch him? <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Bag Boardcast, episode number 91. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. John's from Eternia. <laughs> I'm John. I am John. We're a weekly podcast that comes to you in four ways. The first being The Weekend Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. And we follow that up with the list, which is the comic books we're most looking forward to. This week is the books for July 27th. And we're going to stick with the formula that we did last week with Harry Potter and uh, bring you our movie fix first, which is Captain America, and then go into our main topic, which is Captain America. Well, the movie would be Captain America, the first Avenger. Or is this being called in some countries... The, the first, first Avenger. Avenger. Because they don't want to call it Captain America. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but as in all things, uh, since we're going to be talking about a Brooklyn boy done good, we're drinking some uh, Brooklyn beer. We picked up some stuff from the Brooklyn uh, Brewing Company. And uh, we're starting off with the Pennadale 55. I guess this is the first time that the Brooklyn Dodgers, right, would have uh, picked up the one the pennant back in the 19- 1955? I'm guessing. I don't know. I don't follow the baseball. Do they still call it baseball? Yes, they still call it baseball. I don't know, because I don't follow it. <laughs> it's a Scotch Maris Otter malt. Pen and ales brewed from Scottish Maris Otter malt, which is just prized for its toasty, biscuity flavor and the round smoothness it imparts. That's I, what it says on the bottle. I was actually going to say this kind of reminds me of the... Uh, Blue Point Toast Lager, just not as good. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was absolutely was going to say, too. Um, but it's got a nice little spice to it. It's not your just normal ale. You know, it's got a nice little spice to it. And, uh, Paul, what did you say when you first took your first sip? I'm like, hmm, oh. <laughs> because it, it's all on the back end of the taste buds. Uh, it's all kind of aftertaste that really hits you. It's like, oh, this is like an ale. Or like almost an I, not an IPA, but, you know, more than that that style, but then all the malt flavor hits you yeah. at the very end. It's 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 like right after you take your sip mm-hmm. and you salivate a little bit, like all those flavors just yeah. go boom on your tongue mm-hmm. as soon as yeah. like something else hits it. Uh, it's not bad. Mm-hmm. I, if I went somewhere and this is like all they had, I would definitely get it. I probably well, wouldn't. <laughs> if that's all they had, <laughs> like, if they didn't have anything else, I would probably if get they, it. If they, I mean, if they had like Coors or Budweiser, if all they had was Brooklyn. Um, of a microbrewery, um, mm-hmm. I think I would take it. I'd probably be fine just getting water. You'd rather drink water because you're not an alcoholic like you're saying John is. Yes, pretty <laughs> much. I totally have a beer. I don't have to constantly have a beer, John. I episode have... 91, the intervention episode. I totally admit that I have a problem. I just have no, no problems with my problem. Which is a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, turning phrases. Here on episode 91. This is 91 episodes. That's pretty good. For us. For us. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. I think it's the longest thing we've stuck with it, except for Paul, Mary, and Kate. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. 
Still been married longer than Dragon Lord Cast has been around. Let's, let's try to change that. Be- beer bet? <laughs> I've been um I've been a subscriber to uh, T-Mobile longer than I've been married though. Ooh, but is is it going to be T-Mobile any longer? Well, I don't know what's FCC going on. FCC is that. still federal. No, yeah, the Federal Communications uh, Commission is still. Making their rulings on that. Hemming and hawing. They're mm-hmm. waiting to have their pockets lined with green. Pretty much. That's almost con- uh, current event type stuff. So why don't we head into the Week in Geek? There you go. There's the segue. There's a segue. Going. And talking about uh, current events and changing of names, a name change is coming to the Thor franchise. New director, Kenneth Branagh, will not be back for Thor 2. Sad. I liked what he did with Thor 1. Paul and I kind of talked about this a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked what he did with it. It was a fun movie. I think he did the best he possibly could with what he had to tell to get it into the minds of who this character was. This man of two worlds. Is it is it because they didn't like the outcome, or he just didn't want to do it, or couldn't well, agree on anything? He's a Thor fan, so I think he would probably want to do it. Yeah, um... I'm just surprised. I was surprised to hear he wasn't going to be back, and that's all I heard was he will not be back yeah. in Thor Two. That's sad. Uh, yeah, I thought he was. If anyone's got the perfect voice to tell a movie like that, it was him. I thought it was perfect choice when they they picked them to do it in the beginning. So, are we going to talk about anything coming out of Comic Con, or are we going to hold on to that I for a Comic Con episode? I think we should hold okay. on to the Comic Con stuff. Um, the other thing that was announced movie-related was uh, we will not be seeing The Man of Steel this upcoming year, 2012. It will be postponed until 2013. Really? Yes. Any reasons why or just change of date? Change of date, uh, just postponed. Maybe it didn't want to compete. they didn't want to compete with the next Batman movie, which there has been the teaser trailers for that was shown behind uh, in front of Harry Potter. And also the Avengers, mm-hmm. which are going to be assembling... Yes, which is previewed at the very end of uh, Captain America plus credits. I'm really looking forward to Avengers, so I think it's going to have some stiff competition. So, I mean, it is. I mean, you got Batman, the Avengers. It is big movies. I mean, we've had a lot of comic book movies this year, but mm-hmm. nothing really big, big out of it that you'd think it's going to be the blockbusters. Yeah, which pretty much showed they haven't been. Talking about blockbuster movie busters. Hey. Maybe it's time for a little bagged and boardcast. Summer movie blockbuster bracket busters. Breakers. Reviews. Bracket busters, not bracket. I want to put breakers in there because I thought it would be Break- fun. It fits. does fit. Let's flip the breakers on this topic. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Turn it back out. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, last time we talked, I'm not sure what was updated, but I know that Green Lantern fell. He's a mighty, mighty hangover. So, Hangover Part 2 is the first movie to make it to the finals. It's just waiting for the late top, the late uh, two movie months to actually finish out, playing out. And it looks like uh, Transformers 3 is going to definitely be up against Harry Potter. I'm not sure it's happening this week, the two weeks things. I know that uh, Dark of the Moon raised a lot of money, but... Man, Harry Potter in its first week. It's a lot of damn A lot of money there. And honestly, I know we've talked about this before, but I'm shocked at The Hangover 2 because everyone I talked to about that movie was like, yeah, it was Hangover, but in Thailand. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody was really wild about it. 
I mean, you got that whole other side of culture that we're not a part of. The people that like Jersey Shore and bad movies. Well, I, I enjoyed the first Hangover. I enjoyed it too, but it's a. It's, I wouldn't call it a bad movie. I wouldn't. I, uh, it's not where I was going just, with it, but but there's people who go to movies just to see something that's not. It's not a, a great storytelling. It's just entertainment. Yeah, and it seems like everybody wanted that. You know, they didn't want uh, the King's Speech. They didn't want. Uh, the King's Speech opened and was along, around for a long, long time. That had a long tail. So yeah. people were, they were showing yeah, that. But it, it was getting an audience if it was still going to be in theaters. Yeah. But it was still getting show times. They were, somebody was buying tickets. Yeah. But I'm saying it's those people that are, uh, that just want that dumb entertainment. The America's Funniest Videos people. The Jersey Shore people. Jersey Shore. All right, so uh, the new estimates are just coming in. Had Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows making two hundred and seventy-four million dollars in its opening two weeks. Uh, I will have to compare and contrast that to Transformers: Dark of the Moon, which made about Transformers Three made two hundred and sixty-one million dollars. So Harry Potter is the winner of July. Captain America only made sixty-five million dollars in its opening weekend. So it doesn't get past the first round. Transformers, three, uh, three uh, falls. It, Which I, I'm, I haven't seen Transformers three. Honestly, I've seen the other two. I planned on seeing this one, but I didn't make plans to see it. Mm-hmm. Like it was one of those things, like, oh yeah, I'll see it, and then I just didn't. Like there was nothing there really to drive me to the theater to see it. Like a transformer. Like a transformer. Yeah. You need the Bumblebee to show up to your house. And Pretty much. You know, I I saw the first one in the theaters. I saw the second one like a year later on DVD. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I have no... Nothing's re- no real big push to see this movie. And I think we even talked like, should we bother seeing it for the podcast? And everyone was kind of like, kind of shrugged like, eh. Yeah, pretty much. I would have seen it if it was up with something that I wanted to see up at the drive-in. But I never saw the second one. I don't think you have to. Yeah, you probably no. don't have okay, to. Exactly. There's, I saw it, and I know that they fight Decepticons in it. <laughs> and John Turturro's in it, too, again. And that's yeah. basically all I can tell you about the second one. And I'll see and it's really about long. It. Yeah. So it's the third one. And so it's something that's... Our list for the books that we're looking forward to this week, July 27th. John, you got your phone. You're working on getting the names and numbers and digits. Which which book are you looking forward to? Uh, I'm actually looking forward to from uh, Top Shelf uh, Productions is The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Volume 3, uh, Century, uh, 1969, Number 2. Um, we got the uh, Century 1, Number 1, um, 1941, Probably about last summer, so it's been about a year. Um, Alan Moore and Kevin O'Neill, I really love The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, not the movie, the books. And um, Well, the movie's Alex G. <laughs> Is that Alex G? Booyachika. Booyachika. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's his catchphrase. But uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this next, uh, next installment of it. And this is with... Uh, 
the vampire girl, Alan Quartermain and uh, Mina. And Alan Quartermain is still alive because... Uh, because they kind of found this fountain of youth and he's young again. Both of them. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're... Uh, what was it? Uh, Orlando? The person who's... Uh, I, I gave constantly. up on reading these. I kind of stopped caring after the first one, honestly. No. So don't look at me, because I won't help you. Well, it's actually it's a person from literature. Uh, Orlando, who... Balloon? <laughs> no. But uh, <laughs> someone who, who's lived forever and um, kind of gives them the secret of how, how to live forever. Mm. So they're young again. She's a vampire, though. Tony Orlando? She's not really a vampire. She's just been... Kind of bitten. She was bitten by him, but they killed Dracula, so she was bitten, but she doesn't have his powers because she reverted back to being human. Uh, because once her, her master was the person that turned her died. I thought she still had the powers. Lifted. No, that was the movie where she had the vampire powers. That's honestly the last thing I remembered about League. Yeah. Because I, I read the book before that, so. Yeah. Yeah, it was just the movie where she had the vampire powers. Crazy. Chris! Hi, I'm Chris. What crazy comic book are you looking forward uh, to? The book I'm actually looking forward to is coming out from Vertigo. It's Fables number 107. This is a standalone issue written by Bill Willingham and actually drawn by artist Terry Moore, most uh, well-known for uh, Strangers in Paradise and then Echo, his <laughs> kind of newer creator-owned work. Um, this is a standalone story about... Wait, not his work on Venom with Rick Remender? No. No. <laughs> did, did you even buy that? No. I think you weren't you looking forward to it. You were looking forward to it. I don't think I put it on my list, but it was one. Of the someone, things. someone here did. Was it John? No, no. Paul. Paul thought it was a cool idea because he had like guns and he looked all because it's it's Flash it's Thompson. Flash Thompson being recruited by the United States government. Well, he was part of the government, and he's was recruited to put on the Venom suit and do like co-op uh, covert missions. Not co-op missions. With <laughs> he, could, he could co-op. He's with co-oping with the venom suit. Yeah, uh, to do you know under secretive missions, and he could only wear the suit for so many hours. So every time he puts on the suit, he has to take it off within a certain amount of time. So it's that kind of suspense, ticking time bomb of like when the symbiote like takes over versus like when he's in control, and how much power he can. Use versus somebody who's an alcoholic who might become addicted to the thrill. You know, it seemed like a good, uh, an interesting idea and an interesting play. But, but you I, didn't read it. I haven't been able to pick it up. I haven't seen it on the store shelves. I'm pretty sure Flash was a a, a drunkard for a while. Right. Yeah, that's what he was saying. That's what I just said. Oh, I thought you were talking about Eddie Brock. No. He was addicted to the suit. Right, because it's somewhat addictive, and Flash was an alcoholic, Okay, so it's dealing with those two things, and water running. Total, totally. Tons of water running. (laughs) Tons tons of water running. But Chris, Fables 107, huh? Um, yeah. Uh, focusing on Sleeping Beauty. What? So I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) I thought you were always recording, Paul. Paul, what's your pick? <laughs> My pick is... Crap, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> After all of that water running through my mind. No, it's uh, it's Detective Comics number 880, I believe. Yep, yep 880. Written by Scott Snyder. Art by one of my favorites, Jock. Not his real name. 
not his real profession. He's an artist. I doubt that he's really a jock at heart. I don't think he... He's British, so I don't even think he knows the connotation of that word. He might mean, like, jockey. Is he short? Have you ever seen him? Never seen him. Don't know what he looks like. He could ride a horse everywhere. But, uh, this is... He probably does. Maybe. It's possible. Probable. It is probable that he's an equestrian. Uh, but this book is flipping over to that B storyline that was going on, and the Joker is running amok in the catacombs of Gotham, and it's up to Batman to deal with it. Uh, also still going on is the crisis of James Gordon Jr. He's crazy. Hmm. So he, I enjoyed that, how they tied him back into the DCU and the story arc, uh, line. I do want to pick up the rest of these issues probably in trade. I've picked up just smatterings here and there. Uh, but this is uh, what I'm looking forward to. I'm excited for Batman number one coming in the new DCU. It's so sad that it's getting rebooted. Is Jack going to be on the new the new uh, run? I'm not sure who no, he is. No, I don't believe so. You love Jock. One of my favorite artists. Called him first on the Losers. Uh, I like his, you know, kind of action-y war style, you know, artist, artistry. You know, you have snipers going on. You know, guys with guns. Yeah. It's kind of a cool, you know, concept in comic books when you have those kind of characters. Much like how in Captain America vs. <laughs> Avenger. I was, I was waiting to see where you were going to go with it. It's basically guys with guns. <laughs> and shields. And a shield. But definitely has a gun. Sidearm. Which I was happy to see that. Yeah. It was, it was good to see that. And it, it ties into a lot of the stuff that um, Ed Brubaker has kind of brought into uh, Captain America on his run. That more aggressive war hero, what it has to do, you know, what you have to do in a war. Mm-hmm. Um, which you kind of get in this movie. A little bit. Starring uh, Christopher Evans as the titular hero. The first Avenger. The first Avenger. <laughs> Captain America. Depending on which country you live in. Uh, I don't know any of the other actors other than uh, Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving? Uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Jones. Yeah. This is a corporal. Or is he a colonel? He has to be a colonel because a corporal is colonel. the lowest. Yeah, he's a colonel. Corporal right? O'Reilly. All the all the knowledge I have from the army, I learned from Nash. Nash. Hmm. So, Corporal's the lowest. Corporal Klinger. <laughs> but uh, this deals with basically man, a lot of backstory about a kid who grew up in Brooklyn. Hey, hey, that's where we're drinking Brooklyn Brewery. That, I tied that in well. Yes. I was happy about that. You did a very good job. Who's a classic ninety-eight pound weakling? Who, whose family has basically died in the service uh, during World War II and wants nothing more than to serve his country. World War One. Oh, really? World War One. His parents? No, his dad was in the 107th. Right. That's I he why said, he wanted to join in. I thought his he said dad died there. World War One. So. Was that during World War I? I don't know. Well, then how was he born? Well, yeah. it was only 12 years between the two wars, so I guess... If he was an orphan? And he was 16. Or, no, he wasn't. He had to be older than that. Must have been 18, at least. Um, but anyways, they didn't really cover those semantics yeah. in the movie. 
all we really he know. He didn't look like an orphan, though. No. And he didn't, didn't seem like an orphan. They didn't really mention who was raising him, which is a good question. But uh, he didn't seem like he was 18 either, because he definitely seemed to be living on his own. But he doesn't want to serve because of the glamour of war. It's just because he feels it's not right for him not to. You know, it's, he can't ask anybody else to go serve in his stead. It's, you know, it's his duty to serve, much like his, how it was his parents' duty to serve. Yeah. And also, he doesn't like bullies. And he doesn't like bullies. No matter what language they speak. And Stephen Tucci really adores him for that, you know. Stanley Tucci. Stanley. Stanley. Stephen. You think of Steve Rogers, I think. Steve Rogers, yeah. <laughs> um, this movie spends a lot of time, actually, on... Steve Rogers' backstory, like a surprising amount so, mm-hmm. that I was like, how long is this movie going to be? Because I feel like I've been watching it for 45 minutes, and he's not, and he's not Captain, Captain America. America. Mm-hmm. And, and, then, and then when he comes Captain America, he's still not Captain America. Yeah. Which yeah. is probably like, I love that aspect of it, where he was there for propaganda's sake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, and it ties into the comic books, which they use in the comic books, that his comic books from the 40s were propaganda to get people to join the army. I think I lost you during the third comic book mention that you said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it's definitely... <laughs> yeah. So wait. One more time? So that's... They, the in, timely comics. In, in the current comic books... They use they act as if those comic books that hap- that really did happen were used in the comic book world as propaganda. Oh, okay. So the timely comics exist in the Marvel Comics universe <laughs> that people would read those, and that's how they knew about Captain America. Well, in the six one six universe, <laughs> uh, comic books are allowed because they are the only. Marvel Comics is the only people that are allowed to tell the full story of each of the uh, superheroes. It's kind of like the investigative reporting of the happenings of these superheroes in the 616 universe. Which universe is that? That's the Marvel Universe proper. Okay. It's the universe that doesn't have a kitchen sink running at all times. (laughs) (laughs) That's the universe. And she, look at her face. She knows what she's doing. <laughs> this is what happens when we don't spend money on recording equipment, though. If we had co- recording equipment, none of that would matter because it wouldn't be picked up. True. It's it's only it's our fault. It is our fault. It's only on us. It's Honey, only I on do us. Love you. <laughs> Let me do one. Thank you for doing the dishes. I do appreciate it. This is what I happens. This is what happens when we're kicked out of the Martin Root Studios. <laughs> Evicted, if you will. Want to start over on the movie picks? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know where it left off, really. <laughs> the 616 universe. Right. The universe that doesn't have a kitchen sink running at all times. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, the propaganda scene, I thought, was... It was fun to see it, but I don't think it needed to have lasted as long as it did. Mm-hmm. And it didn't even really need to, I'm, to be there. I'm glad it did. That's mm-hmm. kind of where you see him, like, gaining the confidence, not just to, like, 
be like Captain America, but to kind of step up and lead. And be a symbol. Yeah. And it's a kid from Brooklyn, and it took him time. You got to see him reading off the shield, and then all of a sudden he's really going in. You know, he's full part of the show. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that great, he's comfortable in doing it, and this is what he does, and he's helping the war effort. Not in the way he always wanted to, though. Like, he did, even in the beginning of the movie, he's like, I'm not going to stay home and do the, you know, salvage things and do the home front stuff. I want to be out there. So it was kind of weird for the character to kind of fall into that role. But I feel like it's more like that's the way it was presented to him. Like, okay, well, you have this option besides this because he didn't really think for himself. Besides, a lot of lab rat, yeah. you know, going to a lab to be studied to try to figure out this result or syndrome to make an army of Captain America. But I think you could have shown that with him on the battlefield, stepping up and growing as a soldier and leading that way versus that. And that would have gotten you more into the movie and shown that. Because I'm going to put this out there. I wasn't a big fan of the movie. Like, I enjoyed it. I thought the special effects were really good. Mm -hmm. But as a story and as... I don't think it was entertaining, but... uh, I wasn't a big fan. I was really looking forward to this, too. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot, too. I didn't mind the war bomb thing. You know... Because he was serving his country, and he was struggling with it. You see it, especially when he gets as the USO tour, like when he's doing it. He's like, this is not what I wanted to be doing. I've been at this for a month now, and honestly, I want to be out on the front lines. And as soon as he has an opportunity, he's out there. He's there. There's something for him to do. Boom, he takes that opportunity and does it. Yeah, but I also incorporates a comic suit, and... They do a lot of little nods to the comic book fans. Yeah, and that's why I said it was fun. Like, it was fun to see that. Mm -hmm. But I think as a... To get a movie really going, it would have been better just to get him on the battlefield and maybe grow that way as a soldier. Because, okay, oh, he learned how to speak in front of people. Now he's stand-up and he's going to lead people. How are these people, aside from him running in and saving those guys, who taught him how to fight? He he did go through basic training. Mm Mm-hmm. That that was part of which which he montage. barely yeah. which he barely got through because mm-hmm. he was a weakling. Now, like as a super soldier, who's trained him? Like, you know, okay, yeah, he's stronger and he's faster, but does that give him the proper fighting skills? No, he got those from basic training. Basic training—that's what they teach you in basic training. Yeah, basic, yeah. <laughs> but the and it wasn't just basic training; it was like he was in like a yeah the SSR. Which he just, he wouldn't have been, he was weaker and he wasn't as fast or as strong. But right? he was but still... But that was the only thing holding him back. Yeah. Was that it wasn't his skill or his knowledge. He was the only one sitting in the bunker reading. He's the only one that will dive on a grenade. He's the only one that got the flag down. hmm So you have that different aspect. He's not your typical soldier. Yeah. And he's been in a bunch of fights. He grew up fighting and losing fights. And, but now that he's... You know, got the physical prowess. That's the only thing that held him back ever in a fight. He knew how to take a hit. And he knew how to throw a punch. Now his punches are fast enough and quick enough to land. I feel like everything you need for Captain America was presented there. I think it was too, but I thought it was presented slowly. And it it just, that whole first part, like you said, you thought it took like 45 minutes. 
Well, like it, it, well you it, can it, put it because it, 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 yeah. that was the all origin. And then the last half of that, that's him in battle. <laughs> like, that's him being Captain America. I don't know. My opinion. I, I like seeing him as a scrawny kid because it makes you root for the character more. No, I, feel. I, I, I did too. I, it was good to see him like that. It was good to see everything that he went through. I think if pacing-wise, it could have been done a little better. I just didn't want... Like, you're saying learning battle. I don't want to see him fail in those critical moments, though. Like, I, I don't I don't think you need to show him fail, but I, you, you can show him stepping up and growing as a soldier and, and moving along. But you, you see him, like, step up. That's when, as soon as I have this opportunity, mm-hmm. I'm going for it. Like, they're mm-hmm. going to come down on you guys for helping me, but he, he goes for it. That was him stepping up. That was mm-hmm. him running. Right. And so you didn't really need that whole him with the USO tour stuff. Just That's just my opinion. I don't think you need But that, that USO tour was just, that wasn't that much of it. That was maybe like five, ten minutes of the movie. Yeah. The war bomb thing happened pretty quickly because you see him on floor get better at it. You know, yeah, it's a he's, video, he's, it's a part, montage. Yeah, that was a montage. It's it, basically as long as him taking down the Hydra. The, the longest part of that was him actually at the USO camp where they're like ragging on him. And then mm-hmm. he's kind of like, this isn't what I want. Yeah. That's like the first moment where you have him kind of just being like, yeah, okay, this, a, this kind of sucks, I'm a shell. I'm a monkey trying to dance. And it took me out of the film, that's all I'm saying. I don't know, it, honestly, that, that's kind of what made the movie for me, because, yeah, they're going to capitalize on him, not by putting him on these covert mm-hmm. operations. He, he was a poster child. Yep. That's what they did with him. Like, he he replaced Uncle Sam on the propaganda posters. Yeah, Captain America wants you instead of Uncle Sam wants you, uh, which feels more true. It just seems like that's like you were saying, Chris. That's what they would do if they only got one of them. Otherwise, he would have been yeah, exactly. been. yeah. If you only have one of them, you're not going to put him on the front lines. <laughs> you're ready to die. But the, other than that, uh, we got. Uh, the top hat guy, Dumb Dumb Dugan, which they never say his name. They never t- said any of the Howling Commandos' names. The only person you know in that group was Bucky Barnes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, didn't bug me. You were bugged by this? It didn't bug me, but like these guys are his right hand men. Mm-hmm. You never, aside from that one spot in the bar, you never find out who any of them are. Mm-hmm. Are you led to believe that the black guy in it is? Uh, Nick Fury, but it can't be because he's been asleep for 70 years. So, that was always a big thing of Captain America and Sergeant Fury and the Howling Commandos. But those are the big guys. Comic book! Comic book! I know, but I'm just saying, it would be interesting, it would have been nice to have known those guys or have them mention the Howling Commandos if you Mm -hmm. didn't know those things going in. And now, I'll... I'll take that under consideration. And then now we'll go to Paul's Iron Man 2 review where he felt it was too much of those side characters. Well, it was too much of, it's, hey, we're going to have the Avengers soon. Yeah. With, uh, you know, I, I felt the same way yeah. in uh, Iron Man 2. And no, but to take, it's Captain America, the first Avenger, not Captain America and the Howling Commando, so that didn't bother me. Like, they're presented as, hey, this is his team that he kind of put together. That's all they need to be is, like, I... I couldn't name any of the Howling Commandos except for yeah, Dum Dum, and I'm I read comic books. Like mm-hmm. I felt like them being there was enough of nod to the comic book fans 
I think the first time we see uh, Doctor uh, Zoloff, Zola, Zola, yeah, and the screen yeah. was a huge nod, and there was just those little nods like Bucky grabbing the shield, you know that they know what's been happening in the comic books and who these characters are to the the uh, hardcore fans. Yeah, was that enough for us? Because Chris, you're the one that was like, oh, Spider-Man 2, I wish he would look up at the moon and, you know, just have him, yeah, when, uh, what's his name? G. Uh, G. Joner, Jameson's son. Yeah, his son there. Yeah, the astronaut. That, that becomes yeah. Nightwolf or Wolf at Night. Or, Man, werewolf by, I don't remember who he is. Werewolf by Night or Night. Wolf by so, Night. Yeah. Or, yeah, something like that. Like, you wish he would look at the moon. During Spider-Man 2, just, just like, for that little little taste. That little tidbit there. Did you get enough of those little tastes I did. in this movie? Especially, like, seeing, like, Bucky's costume. Like, it's one of those things, like, okay, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, we're going to have, you know, Bucky in this movie. I didn't look at his costume at all in any of the screenshots. But then as soon as they were on that train there, I was like, oh, holy crap, they took his actual costume and he's wearing it. Mm-hmm. It's just like that kind of, like, that blue leather. That dark blue. With and the... it looked great. But it was one of those things I was just like, I didn't notice it until I actually saw it there, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. I think that's like the first time you actually get to see it, really, though. Mm-hmm. What's the costume that they have in the uh, the World Expo 1942 that's in oh, the that was, um, of Tomorrow? That was actually the original Human Torch. Okay. Yeah. I, I knew it was a big deal, and I'm like, oh, man. Uh, I X-51. It. Yeah. Yeah. Which was, that was really cool, and not there, too. I like that. Mm-hmm. All the Howard Stark stuff too was fun. Yeah, it was good, and I, they got him to having that kind of the Howard Hughes kind of look to him too, which mm-hmm. I thought was good. Did, was there enough non-seer? You're kind of you yeah. Know, I, wanted I, to have I'm more not, of the Howling like, Commandos. I, I would have just liked at least to name them or talk. You know, have a little more of a conversation with them. Oh, like kind of embarrassing. Yeah, you know, like even just some guy like, "Oh, dumb, dumb, you're crazy," like that kind of stuff. And I still don't know if that was supposed to be. In, um, Nick Fury or not. I thought it was for, for the most part. But it would just been interesting to at least have some kind of, aside from just seeing him on screen, some kind of recollection of him. That was my only thing about it. I thought there were some great nods, like the Bucky suit, um, everything. And I thought Hugo Weaving was spot on. I really liked the Red Skull stuff. I thought they mm-hmm. did a great job with his face and everything in that. Yeah, he looked, he looked awesome. Not fighting Nazis, okay? Just fighting Hydra? You guys... I think it... I, I think it works. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, I like the way they kind of made it a little bit more legitimate. Like, okay, we're not fighting Nazis, but we're fighting their yes. science branch. Like, mm-hmm. because Hydra's always been there. It's almost like that stand-in for it. But mm-hmm. it gives a little bit more real-world relevancy while still not being over-the-top hokey. Because you can have Hydra... Mm-hmm be its own thing, but I feel kind of tying it in that way and saying, like, no, they're they're still bad guys. They technically are Nazis, but we're not having Captain America go around shoot, you know, Nazis. It's a much easier way for them to mm-hmm. get this movie out overseas. <laughs> and they also, they even separate them even more from the Nazis when mm-hmm. he kills the other German soldiers and is yeah. like, no, we're not, now I'm my own force. Berlin! Berlin is on this map! Yeah, there's some silly moments in this movie that I pointed out right after the movie ended. Mm. Like, he, I'm not sure if Red Skull is naturally English speaking. I'm not sure if 
Hydra, that's the native tongue of Hydra. But all the ships inside of the, uh, the Valkyrie are labeled with the names of the cities on the outside in English. <laughs> I don't know why that is. I would think they would be labeled in German, at the very least. Well, or maybe not labeled at all. You just, as a pilot, would know where you're going. And in fact, when you're sitting inside your cockpit, cock, yeah, cockpit. Yeah, be cockpit. You, you can't see what's written on the outside <laughs> of your ship to remind yourself. Well, it's more honestly for you as a viewer. I know. Like, I mean, <laughs> it's so silly movie stuff. Yeah. But honestly, Chicago in German is still going to be Chicago. But it'd be spelled different. I'm pretty sure, like most cities, are still going to be the same because it's a proper noun. Like, Germany it, is Deutschland in German. Yeah. Just saying. Berlin isn't really spelled like Berlin in German. Yeah. Hamburg has the you know dots over the U. We don't use any of those, though. I, I, exactly, but they probably would, you know, write it out the way they would write it out in their language, you know. But the same. It, it's just it's Paul nitpicky it's stuff. Because Paul, he, except for the part where suddenly both ships are flying to New York. <laughs> Captain America gets into the, his ship that he was falling behind, which the Red Skull wouldn't see. But suddenly when the he ship... He does have those awesome rear screens, though. <laughs> I guess so. Because how does the Red Skull know that's Captain America flying that ship? And start shooting at him right away? When he, that, that's how does like he that, know he's even aboard? Because that ship wasn't supposed to have been launched. Yeah, who's going to be like, going in front of him, like flying at him, if he's in one of his ships? He wasn't flying at him yet. No, he was. He, he saw was flying him. away. Dude, I paid attention because I was like, wait a second. First of all, why would the New York ship be launched already? <laughs> I don't know. They, they weren't anywhere near the U.S., so why would the ships be launching if it wasn't something going on? So if it was one of his men in the ship, because they were all, those five guys, hydra guys, were going to the ships to be launched. Mm. I don't think they were going there because they knew Captain America was aboard, because when they saw him, they were surprised and then took out the knives. Launch prep. Instead of... They're, they're not just going to walk down, get in their ship, and be like, bye, okay, we're done. <laughs> you have to prepare for this kind of stuff, Paul. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But the Red Skull wanted to hit all the major cities all at once so that they could have them all destroyed in a matter of hours. So they would probably have to launch at some point to make sure all the ships were there and ready to fire. The New York one would have been the last one to launch then. More than that. Because that was the closer one. But Chicago was launched... Or dropped. They, they were dropping out mm-hmm. just to get them out. They were, just Captain to, America. They were trying to get away from Captain America. Mm-hmm. Where, and he where, was launching half of those himself, <laughs> too. <laughs> where he where they were flying from, all the, the Berlin, the England, all mm-hmm. those would have been launched when those soldiers were coming down there. Mm-hmm. Because of, I mean, after that fight and after that thing was launched, where was he? He was almost over the U.S. Like, they were close. Wait, what? You're, you're saying that they were close to no, because Where he crashed, wasn't it? It was higher up. He was in Finland area, like Ukraine, Finland, it looked like on the map, because I was trying to figure out, because in the very beginning of the movie, they're like, oh, the Russians found this, and they called the United States in to, you know, take a look at what they found. And I'm like, the secret base was in Switzerland, and I'm like, oh, so they must be going to Moscow first? And then when he punches up that he's going to Eastern Sea, 
East Coast? Well, New York Coast? It does depend on the flight path and just where they were. Because, yeah, the Russians could still find it if it was in, like, international waters. Yeah. Because you said he was, what, didn't he say he was on a crash course for New York? Or I'm headed yeah, for it was York. heading for New York, which I don't understand how it would have made it, because the energy cube was gone, so it didn't. So even when they that's why I it, thought he was over to U.S. and he steered it up away and crashed over up in you know above Canada in the the tundra. No, because when he zooms into the thing or at the map of the crazy cool rear rear screen <laughs> that you called, it, the map was definitely like. Finland, Sweden, Norway kind but of area. How is he on a crash course for... I don't know either! <laughs> he could have had enough power still. It was definitely gliding. You could still see power yeah. coming from it. It's well, just... the engines, none of them were colored like they were when they first turned on the engine. You know, they weren't bright. Yeah. So it made me think that the engines were off. There's but still, then again... There's still enough power there because it has electricity because he's talking to people on the radio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then again, Captain America, Army, not Air Force. Not exactly the guy you want uh, up there flying a plane. That's why they were going to get Stark on the phone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and in fact, if he let Stark get on the phone, maybe he could have had that date. But he said he, there wasn't enough time. I know. I don't know how he knows all this. He must have read the script. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. The script must have been there for him to be reading in order to know there wasn't enough time to get to New York, even though he's over Finland, maybe in the middle I, of nowhere. He he wouldn't be that close to Finland. Like if they had yeah. left from the Switzerland. Alps. They did they didn't even say Swiss Alps, they just said the Alps. It's safe to assume. Yeah. Let me think the Alps you think Swiss. Yeah. I think of chocolate when I think of Swiss. I think of cheese. Mm. And army knives. And girls with pigtails. Yeah. Golden locks. Unsure <laughs> about the geography of the whole flight plan. See, that's just... That's stuff that doesn't cross my mind. It doesn't matter. Oh, really? That's yeah. stuff that drives me insane while I'm watching movies. And yeah, like, you get hung up on it so much. Yeah. You know why? Hmm. Because I think... Man, this movie, how much money was spent on it? It had to have one person in that meeting that would have brought this up, right? There really must have been one person to be like, guys, do we, should they really be written in only in English? Maybe, well, it's for the viewers, so they know where they're going. Okay, but how about in German and in English, so it's not as weird? Oh, it'd be even weirder. <laughs> There's probably someone that didn't, they're like, no, just put it in English. That's fine, who cares? And that person would I would argue with every single time I had a meeting. With that, I'd be like, I can't stand that guy. Put it in German, and then for Paul here, we'll flash a subtitle. So then you're like, oh, okay, New York. It, it doesn't bother you that they all speak in English, Paul? The Hydra guys never say anything. Yeah. Other than Hail Hydra, which seems German. Uh... The only guy that talks is to is um, the Red Skull, who's talking to Doctor Adam Zola. Adam Zola, and uh, then he was talking and to Captain have, America. Then you have those other Nazis that actually come in to check their progress, yeah. and it should be in German. It's, and that's the thing. See, it's it's a movie. I can ex- mm-hmm. I can accept that everything's mm-hmm. in English because hey, I 
At least they're talking really with speak. a German accent. I don't Very speak good German, German accent. <laughs> Instead of talking with an English accent, even though they should be talking, speaking in Russian. Hunt for Red October. I haven't seen that movie in years. But at least they're talking in Russian to begin with, and then they do the zoom in, and then uh, the zoom out, they're all talking in English, so you know that's what happened, but it's been translated for you. I didn't catch that. No, it's okay. Um, the names on the planes were translated for you, Paul. There we go. How's that? <laughs> that, that was like the picky things. I really did enjoy this movie. It, better than Thor. I liked it better than Thor. I, which, I, I agree. And Thor I enjoyed better than Green Lantern. Best comic book movie I've seen this year is definitely Captain America. Best movie I've seen this year is definitely Harry Potter. Yeah. Definitely Hollywood Part 2. Uh, it's going to take of a lot to topple that. I really don't think there's anything else coming out that I'm going to be... Unless it really catches me off guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all I can think is what, uh, Cowboys and Aliens. And that just seems like fun. I don't think it's going to be like that major no, yeah. major film. John, you said you did not enjoy it. Where does it I fall? enjoyed it. Um, X-Men First Class more or less? Oh, way less. Way less. I like if I were... You I liked X Men First Class way less. Right, okay. Um, you I, were confused too, right? Yes. It wasn't like my German thing, right? Because it was on <laughs> the scale of like X Men First Class way less. <laughs> I, um, I mean, I would, I would give it, I would give it a B to B minus. Uh, First Avengers. That's, yeah, that's a fair grade. Yeah. I, I think if uh, somebody said, "Oh, hey, I have Thor, Green Lantern, Captain America to watch." What do you want to watch? It like I'd rather watch Thor, Green Lantern over it. I go Captain America. Yeah, I go Captain America. I would give this a B plus because I gave Green Lantern a B minus. I give it a B plus. Mm-hmm. And I would give Back to the First Class probably a C. Yeah, a C. Yeah, C minus plus C. I'll give it a C. So that's our summer movie, <laughs> comic book movies. That's it for the summer for comic book movies, right? Uh, Cowboys and. Aliens is based on a comic book. Is it? Barely. Barely. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guys that did Cowboys and Aliens were shopping around the movie for Cowboys and Aliens as a comic book before they actually produced a comic book. Okay. All they had was a cover. Okay. They they produced a cover title, shopped it around Cowboys and Aliens with a little, you know, thing saying it's going to be a comic book with no intentions of ever making a comic book. And then when no studio would pick up the movie, Cowboys and Aliens, based off a comic book series that has not come out yet, they went and paid an artist to produce a cover for Cowboys and Aliens and shot that around. Studios still didn't pick it up, so I think they might have released... So what are we getting a Cadillacs and Dinosaurs movie, (laughs) is what I want to know. A single issue where they tried to make it... It was so weird because they tried to release it as a trade paperback, but only charge as much as a single issue to try to make it the number one selling trade paperback of all time, but Diamond still shipped it as a single issue instead of as a trade. Makes sense. Even though it was like 80 pages or something. Hmm. It was an 80-page single edition instead of a full trade. Uh, I've never read the book. Me either. I didn't. I never even heard of it till. Yeah, until the movie. Well, it's yeah. because the book didn't exist. <laughs> Basically, until they, yeah, you know, want really had to get the book out there in order to get the movie. It's 
internet lore, this Cowboys and Aliens movie. No. Crazy, crazy stuff. I'll see it. Mark Millian, and it's sweating. Yeah. Yeah. But let's uh, go from the silver screen to the uh, four colored pages of the comics. The comic books. The comic books. Yeah. Timely, one of the first comic books, Captain America. Basically propaganda to sell <laughs> war bonds. Yeah. Uh, steeped in that history. Yeah. And to get people charged up for the war and kids to join the army. And also, well, what's funny is a, like a lot of those books too were destroyed as part of like salvage operations too, because it's like, hey, they can use that paper. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, the book got pulped. Mm-hmm. Like, well, that because they they weren't you know comic books like they mm-hmm. they weren't collectibles they weren't literature. It was like, hey, I got a nickel. Let's go down to the corner store. Play some stickball. Play stickball. Read a comic book. Which you do see kids playing stickball, which <laughs> yes. made me really happy. Yes, you do. Um, it's and he's I, a big baseball fan. He, he remembers that. He game. remembers that game from 1941, which was only a year ago. Two years. Two years. Was it 43 by the time it was frozen? Um, Captain America. Not one of those characters I really took note of until um, Marvel launched the Ultimate line of books. And I was picking up the Ultimates by Mark Millar and Brian Hitch, who actually did get thank yous in um, the closing credits. Because I feel like this movie does borrow a lot from that Ultimate mythology, more so than like the like Ed Brubaker, Steve Epstein stuff. Oh, definitely. Um, I think it definitely does. I mean, costume alone, it does. And uh, it has those it has those nods to the Marvel and the timely comic books in the movie, but um, but oh, sorry, we're handing out beer. Everything gets quiet. It gets quiet when as soon as we start handing out the beer. Um, but yeah, it has those it has those little homages to it in the movie, and 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 well, it should, but definitely the biggest one is the more militaristic Captain America costume costume. And I'd have to say, like, growing up, I probably had, like, five Captain America comic books from, like, 1985 to 1995, probably when I stopped reading comic books. But, yeah, it was the Ultimates and then Brubaker's run that really sold me on liking Captain America. I would say Brubaker's run for me more so than the Ultimates. I find the Ultimate Cap a jerk. Just a jerk. He's like, not see. I can see where you come from. With overly that. arrogant, like this Captain America. At least, and also in the movie, very humble. Like mm-hmm. you say, four hundred soldiers. Oh, it had to be done. You know, it wasn't really me. You know, it just, I, you know, they helped themselves too. Like Ultimate Cap would have been like, hell yeah, I'm American. The, see, this A doesn't stand for France. You know, like this kind of like overly leg-waving kind of guy that mm. I did not enjoy in the Ultimate Universe. Too much of a leg-waver. Um, I think those were more, like, he was trying to be more badass. Um, the thing, like, the, the man out of time was, like, him walking down the street with a wasp and, like, ugh, that music's so loud. Like, why are people, it's a fashion of today. Like, that stuff I really liked of the Captain America from the Ultimates. He seems like a grumpy old he's, man. He seems like grumpy. Exactly. He, he seems like he's not. He didn't spend his time frozen 
he actually aged those 70 years. Well, it, it's more like a case of, like, life's not like that back when mm-hmm. he was around originally. So it's just kind of that craziness. Like, I'm not used to this. Like, that's what I really enjoyed about it. And then he, he is a badass in that book. Mm-hmm. So I can see where it kind of comes off as him being, like, cocky. Turkey. But every time you see him doing that, it's in the face of someone doing something. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, you know, when you have, like, those ultimate version of the scrolls, like the Chisari there, like, he's stepping up. It's when you have, like, Hank Pym on the run because he, like, just almost killed his wife. That's when you have him being, like, a dick because, like, you don't mess with a lady. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a boot in your face. Like, so it, that didn't bother me too much from the Ultimate stuff because mm-hmm. for that kind of universe that they have set up, mm-hmm. it, it makes sense. Like, I think if they just started doing that now in the comic books, it, it would read kind of awkward. Seeing as basically 616, standard universe for Marvel, not Ultimate. Um, saying that for John. Because <laughs> I know you listeners. I got it now. You know it. I've never heard it called that. Yeah. Grant Morrison came up with it. I don't know if he said that. Uh, not Grant Morrison. Oh, really? Alan Moore. Oh, okay. You know, I think it was like when he was writing um, Excalibur or something. Probably Excalibur. That would make sense because they jumped dimensions. Um, I lost my train of thought. That's okay. 616. Unlike... Oh, the six... Because he was on Frozen... Basically in the 70s, when the Avengers came around? It was the 60s. Yeah, 60s. 60s? So, because yeah. so Avengers came out in 1964. So he was frozen for all of... 20 years. 15? The war ended in 1945, so 1960, 15, so between 15 and 60 years. Not that long to be frozen, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why I, I feel like it has a lot more weight going into, like, the Ultimates. Mm-hmm. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, they've always he's frozen for a lot longer. And they, they've kind of fudged that date ever since mm-hmm. he came out because you keep getting later and later mm-hmm. and that man out of time becomes so much better almost because instead of being frozen for 15 or 20 mm-hmm. years, well, he's been on ice for 70. You know, he's yeah. So it just it kind of flows better because, I mean, look at the progress we've made in the past five years with technology. Right. And, it, and then we kind of see that over on the other side with DC... With bringing back Barry Allen, you know, only, what, 20, 25 years, basically? Yeah. yeah. 1983 to 2011. Almost our age. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that he's a man out of time, but not really, because between the and 2001, like almost 30 years, I don't think... We, we have cell phones and... Yeah, the computers are smaller. Yeah. Like, that's about it. Yeah. We still burn fossil fuel, so... And we don't fly, have flying cars. And well, it's because the they're, they're a couple years away from it <laughs> in Captain America, the first Avenger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a couple. And also, the Segway really didn't take off as much as they would, unless you really like flying Polo or Quidditch. That'd be fun. Segway Quidditch. But yeah, the like, Captain America, I just. My real point is, I don't get the man out of time aspect anymore, or never really felt that way with any of the comic books I've read. Like, he might have that, like, more, you know, more classic American morals, like, backbone, but I get that same kind of classic American backbone morals out of a Superman character. Mm-hmm. 
No. So, and that feels tr- like that's how it should be because this is an icon character. People will recognize Captain America not because they read a comic, just that they hear the name Captain America, look at the costume, and have a predisposition of what they expect from that character. And mo- most of the time, you can be like, yeah, that seems like something Captain America would do, or Superman. You know, you just so sort of. They both will do what is right, in quotes. Yeah. Yeah. But to kind of go back to the man out of time thing quick, that was a big reason for why they were so happy they could do the Ultimates, because they can bring Mm -hmm. Captain America back out of time, because he'd been unfrozen for, what, like 30, 40 years at this point? Longer than he was frozen for. Exactly. So it's like, okay, well, he's no longer that man out of time. So it's it was a good time to do that, because, Mm -hmm. hey... Things have come a lot farther since the 1960s. And it, I feel like that's definitely made it a little bit more beneficial to Marvel. Do you need that man out of time aspect for Captain America? Or do you just need, like, he was born he was born and raised in Brooklyn, but he almost has, like, now a Midwesterner, like, moralist, you know, moral uh, code, like Superman. Like, like we say, yeah, he was raised by Martha Kent, you know, Ma and Pa Kent in the Midwest. And you kind of get that idea of where he's coming from morally, you know. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying, and and um, I mean, yeah, Does I mean, it, it works. Um, I think it's always there that you know he's from the past, mm-hmm. and I mean, like the the current run, I I, I have almost all of it in mm-hmm. in trade of Brubaker's run of Captain America, and aside from the flashbacks yeah. of going back to the war and having those sequences. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't really mention, he really doesn't mention it or being mm-hmm. being mentioned out of it, but there are little things like, oh yeah, I used to do this, or mm-hmm. I used to go there, kind of a thing. So you don't, like, in the current comics, like, it doesn't really have that too much, because mm-hmm. even the characters, like when Fury or Dum Dum Dugan show up in Captain America, like in Captain America number one, there's not that much of an age difference between yeah. them, even though it's the current time. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think you need the man out of time for Captain America. I feel like that's what makes it interesting. Okay. And example, you, you do find it. I find it very interesting because I mean, otherwise, he's basically just a super strong, super fast guy who lives a who, long time. Who's who's been around for a while, mm-hmm. you know, and has strict morals. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he does have that midwestern kind of air about him. But that's mm-hmm. more just because, like, well, he's supposed to be that. Real American. Real American. Oh. And, no, but, like, the thing is... I know, I just don't want to Fox News it up over no, here. It's, it's That's okay. All I want. But, honestly, like, if you're going to be have someone like that and they're not from the Midwest, New York City does make sense because it's... That's the melting pot. You know I mean? Yeah. That's where, hey, if you're coming over from somewhere, that's the real American city, yeah. if you will. New York City, East Coast, is where real America is happening. I'm just going to say that. Pretty much. <laughs> but, um, I don't know, like, honestly, that Captain America number one that just came out, it was really good, but you know what it is? It's something from Captain America's past mm-hmm. coming back today. Yeah. And that's why I was so intrigued by it. Like, if it was just some random person, like, new villain, just pops up, it would still probably be a good book, but it's the fact that they're, like, saying, oh, this is someone, you know, Tiny. Rogers crossed paths with. Back before he was frozen, you know, okay, mm-hmm. that it's more interesting because this guy's back now. Like, who is it? What 
what's the connection here? Yeah. And it goes back to that's because it's a man out of time thing that would make that story something I would want to read. Tying in the past with the present. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's, I mean, that's, I think, with at least with Brubaker's run, he's always had that. Mm-hmm. But it's never been, you have those flashbacks, but it's yeah. never really Captain America in that moment, like looking back or dealing with. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and this definitely is, uh, it is good to have those those two sides of him come together, mm-hmm. the past and the present one. It does make it. And I think, like, the Ultimate books wouldn't have been nearly as interesting if it, he hadn't come out of time. Right. Right. I am I, I, Because that makes it a whole new take on the character, almost. Yeah. I feel the character that I need, like, being confused by the new world more than any other, more than Captain America, is Wonder Woman. Like, mm-hmm. when she's so ingrained in man's world, quote-unquote... Yeah. Because I did the funny ears and nobody could see that <laughs> on the internet. Uh, that That's where it kind of feels weird. Like, she should be kind of confused about how things work here. But Captain America, I'm okay with it. Not him not being like, how does this flat screen work? Is this some sort of, you know, I don't need that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. Because as long as he is associated still with all his epic battles in World War Two, and, you know, have that there set. If I don't need to have him refrozen again, mm-hmm. basically yeah. is what I'm saying. Like, glad it happened in the Ultimates, gave a different take, but don't want him like suddenly time bulleted. You yeah, know, like a big... relaunch where he mm-hmm. all the, everything that's happened for the yeah past forty the, years yeah suddenly didn't doesn't happen. exist, and now it's he's re- just waking yeah. up again for the first time, which is what they're doing with the movies. Which is okay because it makes it makes so much sense. Like right. movies, yeah. And I have to say, like the other stuff to kind of make Captain America not relevant today, mm-hmm. but at least a little bit more interesting has been the crossover stuff, like Civil War. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's besides the Ultimate Universe. That's really where I took note of yeah. Captain America as he has been written since you know the '60s, mm-hmm. because you have him at odds. With the government. But he's been at odds during the, you know, before... He's done that before when he was Nomad, but I I didn't read those, you know. Like... There's been a lot of people that called themselves Captain America. Yeah. And they bring up and... If you want to get into Captain America, just start reading Birdbreaker's run, honestly. It's the... I've never cared for Captain America... Until I read those. And then I was like, well, Captain America's awesome. He ties in all those crazy other Captain Americas. Those yeah. other Caps. Crazy Cap. Uh, you know. Uh, and, that and, and, and he kind of explains Captain America's powers, too. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you never get shot? And he's like, I kind of see the bullets coming. Mm-hmm. I react to them. I can see it coming. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's interesting little moments where he's like, oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I looked this one time. You know, I jumped mm-hmm. this far. I know where my powers are at. Where my rangers at. But uh, tying back into the crossover surface, you get off on that. But that's I think that's where John and I really took it, paid attention to Captain America yeah. for the first time. That's the only time I've liked him. Uh, yeah, I will say in Civil War, you know, him going up, you know, anti-registration just made sense for the character. Mm-hmm. And also being more concerned about who he was protecting even though 
that ending. Mark Millar cannot write an ending. Yeah. You know, him just surrendering just didn't feel right. But at the same time, though, it, it's not just Captain America just surrendering. It's him taking a look at everything that was yeah. happening because of his actions. Mm-hmm. Like, what else would that character do? Because mm-hmm. he can't keep fighting because that's just going to still inspire more people, which inspiration is not always a bad thing. But when you look at the outcome of it, mm-hmm. that's what was made him be like, whoa. Civil War was a uh, crossover event where basically Tony Stark said, superheroes have to register with the government because there was a big event where basically kids uh, triggered a villain to blow up basically a school. Uh, and Captain America said... And public wanted them held accountable. Mm-hmm. So there was this idea of the Superhuman Registration Act that was being kind of shopped around through mm-hmm. the government that would require all superheroes basically to reveal their identities and become deputized yeah. uh, agents of the government. And there were some heroes that fell in line and some that were like, no, I'm not doing this. And both Iron Man and Captain America kind of became the figureheads for the two different sides. Or the captains. Yes. <laughs> I know what I mean. Captain America became a captain. They became the captains. <laughs> the leaders of each side. And they picked their teams and the squads, and it was fun. It was a fun comic book idea. Yeah. Cool concept. Mark Millar does come up with cool concepts. Just he can't follow through with them. I don't know if I should be laughing at that, because com. <laughs> cool concepts. <laughs> Why not have the best follow through? Because I haven't updated that... Uh, Summer bracket movie busters bracket from a while. It's okay. We'll get to it. <laughs> yeah. You just moved. I, but I think Captain America is one of those people who would sacrifice himself to end needless harm of people. Right. And I think that's that's where they did get the character. Mm-hmm. You know, he he would do that to to end other people's suffering. He'd sacrifice himself. And get shot afterwards. And but it wasn't really a bullet; it was a time bullet. It was uh, it was something weird from the Red Skull who made Sharon Carter the grand niece of uh, the lady from the Peggy movie, Carter. Uh, shoot him, and then caused stuff. You know. The next couple of years of Captain America trying to find out where the gun was and how to bring him back, kind of stuff. Where Bucky Barnes takes over for Captain America, takes over for Steve Rogers, and that's where we've been in for the past couple of years now. Bucky Barnes, middle armed cap, the with Winter the gun. Soldier. Uh, then he gets, and it's just been weird, but now with the movie launch. We're back to Steve Rogers as Captain America with Captain America number one. Yeah. Even though this week we're seeing Captain America and Bucky Barnes number 600 and something, I was like, what? How is this number? I didn't understand the numbering system whatsoever. <laughs> I'm like, I just was very confused. I was interested in it because it's the retelling of Captain America and Bucky stories back from World War II. <laughs> and I was going to be, almost going to make it my pick. Uh, but then I was you just were, so confused. Sure. You sure. You're like, I don't know what number this is. I don't know. Is this the middle of a story arc? Is this the first one of the new story arc? I don't know. I can't figure out this number. I 
I have never heard of this book before, Captain America and Bucky. You just just read uh, Brubaker's Winter Soldier run. It's written by Brubaker, I'm pretty sure. Is it? <laughs> it might be one of his issues out of... Out of time? <laughs> I know. Well, From Winter Soldier. And, and Fear itself, basically, that tie-in, you know, brings Bucky Barnes out of being Cap and Steve Rogers picking up the mantle again. Which, I have to say, to kind of go back to the movie... I am looking forward to the inevitable Captain America 2 where hopefully we do get a Winter Soldier type yeah. storyline. Like, they yeah. have all the pieces in place now. They, they definitely set it up for that way. And I, I would be so excited to see that. I was kind of half expecting to see Bucky when Captain America lifted him out to not have his full arm. I, I, I was expecting that too because mm-hmm. they, they kind of didn't show his like one side and I was yeah. like, does he have an arm? <laughs> That's so have, I, I kept looking for it. <laughs> And I was expecting him to grok somebody. Like, come up and either just go behind somebody and slit somebody's throat or yeah. choke them from behind. Never did. No. He did have the sniper movement in the movie. Which was never, cool. Yeah. But never the cool, stealthy assassin that we get in the Brubaker run. Honestly, but, why are you still listening and not reading Brubaker's run? Yeah, the Brubaker's has been awesome in Captain America. America. Uh, but a- actually seeing Bucky use the sniper rifle, yeah. I was like, oh, Winter Soldier. Like, that, yeah. was, that was another nod to me for that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I, I, it's enjoyable moments. It, it's enjoyable moments. And you get a lot of those hints from the comic books. And, mm-hmm. I mean, there's such a good amount of stuff from the comic books to draw from now. I mean, because they, they kind of... Yeah pick stuff from all of the different Captain America stories that you have to put together. In Except for the werewolf stories. Which I'm okay with. <laughs> there, there's been a lot of bad Captain America oh, stories. Oh, there's been a lot of bad any kind of yeah. no. superhero stories. I mean, it kind of just comes with the territory. How was there a thing that just constantly keep evolving and, and do keep getting better? And I think we're at the, the greatest point of comic books because you have these guys who grew up liking a character and wanting to tell great stories about him. Yeah. It is a good moment. Because a lot of those early like, comic books suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, Don't go back and read the essentials. Well, well, like, you and I were talking, Chris and I were talking one time, and we were just talking about art. Like, art from the early years just don't... It doesn't hold up. Like, you couldn't pass it off in a book today. Kirby stuff you could. I... I think I've said this on the podcast. I don't think you could. Look at Darwin Cook's, Cook's work. But that, that has a modern sensibility about it. Yeah, like, right. it's not, but if Kirby was drawing today, he would have a more modern take on that than he did. And if you look at Kirby's pencils, just his penciling, hmm. before they went to the anchor and everything, they were a lot more detailed than they did end up. I think Kirby was, you know, uh, cut short because of the technology they were having. You know, the whole, they can only use so many colors because they actually had to cut out the, yeah. you know, basically plastic coloring style to put on each page to produce it. I think, you know, some of the earlier comic book artists, if they were still working today, no, but, would, no, honestly, would do just as well. Especially he, No, here's the thing. Especially This Kirk. is going to get hate mail, whatever, send it, chris at bagbroadcast.com. We I would actually appreciate it. I would appreciate it. I will answer your email. Um, I don't think he did anything, though, for 
like comic books that any artist wasn't already doing or could do. I mean, he gets put up on this pedestal, and yeah, he put out a lot of books. It was design work. It was basically but Silver he, Surfer was his design. There so, was a okay. lot of characters. That Silver he Surfer designed. was just a dude. All the cosmic that was characters on a surfboard. On a surfboard. <laughs> don't, don't make him out to be some great thing. Because he's just a silver dude on a surfboard. Orion. Orion looks ridiculous, Paul. <laughs> Metrian. Yeah, ridiculous. All those like new god characters, they just look ridiculous. I keep using that word because it's true. Like that's the kind of thing like if you were a six year old and like you designed a superhero, like he's gonna have a staff and he's got horns and he sits around on a flying chair. Uh, no, and like oh, I mean his 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 look on space, how they do yeah. his space and everything was different than what everyone else was doing, and like I can see where you're coming from that if he had the technology and the artist skill that he had, like yeah, he was better than everyone that was doing it then. I still think, he but would be huge I think now. I think I think maybe he would be better than some of the people today. But mm-hmm. I mean, just just how we were talking, like Steve McNiven. Like, yeah. that first page of Captain America, you're just like, wow. Like, why doesn't everybody draw like this? You know? And, and even, like, in the, the Daredevil number one, the yeah. style of that, like, it was a... It's a, it's a very simple style. But and, it, still, it still pops. Yeah. It still makes you go, wow. And, and you threw Darwin Cook out there. Mm-hmm. And I think he's a has an amazing style. But with Darwin Cook, I, I don't put him on the same level as Kirby. I put him above him. Wow. I mean, I'm, I'm, you can't you can't see this because I'm drawing, I'm drawing Kirby faces on stuff, and like everyone's just like so cheeky. Are they U shaped? They're like it's U shaped, like <laughs> it's weird, like. And then I'm gonna put like lots of dots around it because that's what you do when you're Kirby. Show power, like I don't. It's just holy crap! Are you are you Kirby? I, it's <laughs> I don't know. He just he doesn't do anything for me, uh, and I, I feel people like just oh Kirby Kirby Kirby. Uh, That's the best thing happening at the time. I don't know. Like Steve Ditko did great work too. Gene Colan was fantastic. Yes. Like they weren't suckling at the teeth of Kirby. They were doing their own thing, and I would like their books. They do have that same kind of aesthetic, just because they have the same coloring. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like those books do look better. I don't know. That's me. Alright. So, Kirby is your least favorite comic book artist of that time. Of that time, probably, yeah. And, alright. I'd actually, I'd say the opposite. Of that time, I'd, I'd say he's probably a step above some of those guys. Mm. That's all I'm saying. Well, well, and they'd I, be proud of I, I have those, today. like, I have all those, yeah, I yeah, got those traits. He's, he's not here today. I know he's not here today. But there's still the people that champion him as if his stuff is better yesterday than the things that are out there today. And I, what I'm I was saying to John is, if you put a book out like that today, with that same look, it, people will lambast it. Like, no, right. unless it's Godland. Because if you look at Image Comics, Godland. I'm trying to think. It, uh, or what was the other one? Yeah, um, but that's... There, there's definitely people that still take that style and release comic books based on the Kirby designs. People are still iterating on, and they say, this is my ode to, you know, Kirby, mm-hmm. the king of comics. 
That was a nickname made up by Stanley. Right. So that got him in trouble with uh, who was the talk show host that uh, he had the he had the guy from uh, the the publisher's clearinghouse as a sidekick. As Johnny, a man, Johnny uh, Carson. Johnny Carson. He called out uh, uh, Kirby. He's like, "Who's this Kirby?" Calling himself the king of comics. I never heard of him. And and he went on a, a rant about it. And then, like weeks later, they finally figured out, oh, comic book comics, oh. not, not stand-up comedians or just comedians. So that interesting pop. That's interesting. Trivia. I don't know, I like. Oh, I'm blanking out Carson. on his name. Creator of the Spirit. Uh, Will Eisner. Will Eisner. Amazing. Yeah. Yes, he is amazing. He is. Yes. And you know what? He's so much better than Kirby. Yeah, and I would say if, if um, Darwin Cook was homage to anybody, it would be mm-hmm. Will Eisner. Yeah. I mean, like, he it, some of the space stuff when he did Green Lantern in um, the first... Uh, yeah. Like that stuff was is Kirby is Kirby because that's what space comics looked like at that mm-hmm. time period. Yeah, but everyone else had that great Will Eisner look. Mm-hmm. Will Ooh. Eisner, above Kirby. Okay. Yeah, I would say he's the king. Yes, <laughs> I, I'm going to stand by mine and say uh, Kirby, and then Will Eisner. I'm not saying those guys weren't great and there wasn't other great artists, but I do think if you take any of those artists and like if they were born. You know, later, or were men out of time, frozen, <laughs> and then thought out, and were like, "Hey, this is what we're doing now," and they got to read the comic book and see what they're doing and everything, and they started drawing. I think they would put out pretty amazing work. Didn't Eisner work till just about he died? Yeah. <laughs> and he probably putting out pretty amazing work. <laughs> I don't know. You guys say he's better than Kirby. You tell me. After we're, <laughs> after we're done, we're breaking out the laptop and we're going to do side by side art comparisons. <laughs> so that's it. Well, then we should do a show on it just because we can never figure out shows. True. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about shows. Next week, July look back, or are we going to be doing the uh, San Diego Comic Con news wrap up? I'm going to go both. What? Yeah. Just do a whole news segment? News. And then uh, do it as a main topic? We, we don't. Paul wants me to say, yes, yes, exactly, no movie fix. Well, just What am I going to show up then? I don't, I don't know. Because oh. you're, you're on beer, John. Oh, okay. That's a run, run, long running joke we have here. You don't read, actually read comic books. You just say you do. Fuck you! I've been reading the shit out of them for the past how many months? A couple months. Months. It's like Christmas February, <laughs> March. Probably more March. So that's when I started handing off the previews. Yeah. You see your order. I'm on. So we can geek full comic book expo. San Diego Comic Con. We're we're drudging up the best news from San Diego Comic Con, and we're going to discuss that because we obviously didn't for the week in geek because there's just so much stuff that happened and still happening and still happening. Today is the last day of it. And then our main topic will be our July look back. So look forward to some of the number ones we read this month and other book. And yeah, we're, well, we're going to talk 
Probably about Daredevil America, number one. number one. Daredevil number one. And if we can and get it... Red Wing number one. Are we going to do Red Wing number one? Were we? Or we can. We can. Because I have not been able to get Schism number one. Yeah. Yeah. So, Red Wing number one, or maybe X-Men Schism number one, if we can find it. If we can get it. Yep. Yep. So until next week, make sure you uh, tune in to us on baggingboard.com. Read some of our stuff that we might have up there. Also, like us over at Facebook. Follow us at twitter.com uh, backslash baggingboard. And find me on Google+. Plus. Follow us Google+. Plus. If you're one of the five people that has it. There are over 10 million people strong right now. And grow. <laughs> 10 million strong. Don't sell vitamins. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I couldn't place it. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Check out our friends over at redphonezone.com and also Gamers Haven. That's with an S. So Gamers Haven. Uh, com. And actually go to redphonezone.com and vote for Ruthos because uh, our nominations are up on that website. I already voted. Did you? I don't know. No, did you guys? I, I, I don't remember. I, I think, think I did. I didn't think actually, I did. there were so many great picks, I'm not sure who I want to vote for. Wow. You would have to go there to find out what those great picks were. Or do the Ruthos show, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> You did it without me, John. You weren't able to do it, Paul. I have a very busy schedule. <laughs> so until next week, listeners, keep on clicking. <laughs> what